Welcome to Old Taku No Radio, episode 10. I am Jared. I am joined, as always, uh, by the Lumion Gold Coin to my Trini Silver Coin, uh, the wonderful Chief Booze Correspondent of Any Gamers, Inc. Say hi, Inc. Don't undervalue yourself like that. Uh, and not only are we uh, here and fully assembled today, but this is an extra awesome, uh, very special podcast. We are also joined by our dear friends, uh, Corey and Chris of the Taiku Podcast. Say hello, boys. Hello, boys. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> They're clearly filled with enthusiasm to be here today. And we are finally, 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 finally. Uh, are going to talk about uh, the amazing 2008-2009 anime Spice and Wolf. Uh, and, uh, Ink, why don't you give us a bit of an overview? As I have it written, so I don't stumble upon my words too much, set in a time of horse-drawn carts and castles, Spice and Wolf revolves around Craft Lawrence, an observant and highly skilled 25-year-old traveling merchant who wants to earn enough money to set up his own shop in a town and not travel anymore. His goals gets complicated, however, by the onboarding of an unexpected partner when he finds a girl who turns out to be a wolf who turns out to be a harvest deity stowing away in his cart. Holo the Wise Wolf, as she is called and frequently calls herself, wants to escape a town that's betrayed her with the onset of new harvest technology and make her way back to her home in the north. Lawrence makes a pact with her to do so, and the series follows their travels and trials as partners in business and much more while trying to avoid bankruptcy and persecution by the church. I'm just going to say right now, if, uh, dear listeners, you are ready for deep and meaningful and insightful analysis, you're going to get some of that. You will get some of that for sure because it's us and we kind of can't help it. But um, this is going to be like holo fan cast, basically. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, straight up, it's, it's, it's holo fan cast. Uh, it's Spice and Wolf fanboy enthusiasm cast. So um, just, just by, just by a, share, a show of voices, does anyone here not like love holo? Holo's okay. I was going to ask Chris you. whether you uh, whether you felt the same that that we did. She's pretty good. She's okay. Pretty good. So everyone but Chris is correct. Um, <laughs> no, uh, my my sole purpose here is to to ruin this entire podcast episode. Just so you're aware. Oh, Uh-oh. well, we got to have a heel, don't we? Um, all right. So Can you do a Russian uh, accent throughout the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my, uh, my audio piece will magically go disappearing when it gets compiled together. <laughs> <laughs> that actually literally did happen to me in one podcast. But that's that's my own fault. Um, so for for anybody who may not have seen this, um, this is literally an anime where it's just talk. Like ninety nine percent of the time, there's fleeting bits of action, but this entire series relies on dialogue and. It is so tightly and acutely written that that is what the momentum that is carrying the series is. Like, it's just listening to these characters bounce back and forth, Holo and Lawrence, all the time. And if you don't find that engaging, and wait till you watch at least an episode, and all it takes is one episode, uh, and their, their charisma sort of instantly sets you off, uh, then drop it. But otherwise, if you enjoy the, just listening to the, the two of them talk... That is why you watch the 26 episodes that are available. 
really great banter. I, I, I think it's probably a, a sub 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 genre um, of economic playful banter high sexual tension anime <laughs> <laughs> along with like spice and wolf and now you and i was almost tricked into thinking c was going to be the same but it was not yeah yeah that that very small economics uh genre of anime <laughs> yeah uh, but, um, uh chris it, 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 it didn't it, like take you a couple episodes to like really get into this i don't remember what we were chatting about uh, I, I don't know how to answer this question. Um, <laughs> I don't like the show at all. I, I ended up not liking it at all. But it was around episode eight or nine of the first season, I actually started to get into it. And then like the first three episodes of the second season, I was really getting into it. And then it just left me in the dust again. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if if the one or two or three episode test is particularly... Uh, apt here because yeah I, I really started to get into it in the last like three or four episodes of the first season hmm what was it that grabbed you there I don't remember anymore because it left me in the dust <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even remember what that story arc was um, because the second season actually left a much stronger impression um, on me uh, both for, for good and ill so, yeah, I don't even remember. I'd have to look it up. It's the it's the arc with the shepherd girl and and her mm. being a bodyguard and all that. And they're that smuggling they gold went. through their through their sheep. Yeah, that um, was the first season. Yeah, that oh, was the end okay. of the first season. Anyway, <laughs> you know it's funny because I I misremembered that as well because the first season left such an impression on me. I honestly couldn't remember what the second season was about, and I could have sworn Shepherd Girl was the second season. And when it popped up as the second half of the first season, I was just like, oh, well, what the hell was the second half? <laughs> yeah. She opens the second season, sort of, with a garbage OVA. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't think, that's not available, like, on streaming, is it? No, it is. It's in the, if you watch it off of Funimation's website, they they have it listed in, it, it, they, they air it in the middle of the episodes and it actually is like they call it episode zero or something ridiculous. oh okay I've never seen that because I, I when I was watching it and, and I, I watched it streaming um, she starts off the second <clears throat> season like they're in that restaurant talking and stuff but it, I thought that was just yeah that's the that's <laughs> the OVA that's the OVA oh really yeah. That's the OVA. Yeah. Okay. I will say I thought that that was not the strongest opening of a second season. Uh, no, that was thing. that was like a bridge between the two seasons. Uh. Uh, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Um. So I I, I do want to say like this is, you know I I had as some of you guys know I had this, the, we'll call it the dark history. Actually, it was a great part of my life. I was actually living in Japan at the time, but I didn't watch any anime for like several years. Uh, and um, this is one of the very first things that I uh, started watching uh, when I got back into anime uh, and watched the first season on Netflix. I don't think the second season uh, had come out yet, uh, which was a bummer because like, I definitely needed more after that first season. Um, but it worked for me pretty much off the, off the get-go, um, and I've, I've learned more about my tastes over time to know that 
that's the kind of show that's like where it's cleverly written and there's great dialogue. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that really kind of tunes me in. So, um, I was yeah. actually kind of surprised how easy it was to watch after such a long time. Cause I, I figured, Oh, I'm just remembering this with a great uh, dab of nostalgia. Cause this was uh, an early anime for me too. And it was, uh, you know, I remember it as being absolutely endearing. I bought the DVDs as soon as they came out and probably never rewatched them again. <laughs> you know, to have and to hold. You know how that goes. Uh, yeah, to have and to hold. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I'd never rewatched it. And when I, when I started doing it for, that, for this cast, like four episodes went by with, with nary a blink from me. And I was just like, oh, oh wow, this moves along much more quickly than I remembered. And I was so grateful for that. Uh, yeah, I watched this a long, well, for me, a long time ago. It was actually like a month and a half ago, or maybe. Um, so long. Yeah, because we had scheduled this, and then scheduled this. And, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know how life yeah. works. Uh, but um, I watched it in like only a week or two, as opposed to like Rolling Girls, which we also recently rewatched, and I just couldn't watch any of it, even though I liked it when I watched it. Hmm. But I think I've watched Spice and Wolf like three or four times now, and I still like it, Chris. This was my first. This was the first time I had ever watched it, so I thought that would be a kind of a fun, you know. Hey, people talk about this show. It's really great. I've never seen it. Let's let's do a thing about it. Okay, cool. I, I cannot agree with Ink's sentiment that it moves very quickly by. <laughs> um, I, I, watched, I watched this, you know, one or two episodes every day um, on my lunch break. And I swear to God, it took me like a month and a half to get through it, um, which doesn't seem accurate. Um, but maybe my entire timeline is just screwed. Um. <laughs> maybe it just felt like a couple of months yeah, it, you know, and it was only two weeks or something like that, which work has a way of doing that to me. But yeah, I, this was the first, I, had, I had heard about it for many, many years, avoided it for a while. And then I started hearing more people, especially like you guys, talking about how much you enjoyed it. Um, so, so it wasn't something that I had ever totally written off. It was just one of those, yeah, maybe one of these days. <laughs> by contrast i when i did my rewatch i um and i had not watched the second season yet so that was the first time watching the second season for me um really yeah yeah i kind of saved it and when i when i knew we were doing it i was like oh okay all right I, I, it's gonna come in its own time and then i'll i'll watch it but um we uh we did the dead leaves show that's sort of like our our you know episode x um and I had seen maybe one or two episodes of the first season at that point. So that was probably a week ago or a little over at this point. And in the span of that week, I watched both seasons. And it was like, it was the smoothest rewatch I've had. And I don't do rewatches that often, but it was the smoothest rewatch I've had in ages. I mean, it, it took no time. Uh, I watched, um, you know, probably an episode each night during the weeknights and then um you know this past not this past weekend but uh or i guess it was this past weekend uh you know i i finished it off and uh like in the early in the mornings before i had to get up and do any other any other stuff and uh man it was great oh it was so good to get back in and reacquaint myself with these characters in this series in this world so 
So who, who watched the sub and who watched the dub? Sub. Dub. Raising my hand for the gub. No one can see me. <laughs> I'm also going to raise my hand for the dub. <laughs> I, I, I watched the dub, but I kept the sub titles on. Mm. And I did watch, I think, the first few episodes with the, the sub because I've never seen... Uh, I've never seen the or yeah seen the series while listening to the Japanese dub. Mm-hmm. I've still never seen the the Japanese either. I specifically made time after right after I finished the show. I specifically made time to go back and listen to an episode of the uh, the Japanese uh, dialogue, and um, it, you know it was good. Uh, the voice actors that that. Um, make up the cast are like really uh really great holos played by amy koshimizu who people may know as uh yuko matoi from kill the kill or um i think she's sailor jupiter in the new sailor moon um and the guy who plays craft lawrence is like june fukuyama or somebody i mean he's and he's done like everything Hmm. you know um and, and they're competent. I totally agree with you on that. But man, Brianna Palencia as Holo, so so perfect. And I want to say she plays the Alchemist too, because I thought I recognized her voice behind another character. The Alchemist. Was... The are you talking about the second season, the first part? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That one is Colin Klinkenberg. She does uh, like Luffy and some other mm-hmm. junk. She does. Yeah. She did uh, Al in the. Second uh, in Brotherhood, I think. Wait, wait. So you no, guys are telling else. me I screwed up by watching the sub? No, 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 Not no. Screwed up, but like, but uh, that Brianna Palencia does an amazing job as Holo with the English dub. I, I think both of the actors in this is this is one of my favorite dubs, period, like ever. I mean, it's the 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 actors. I think it's J. Michael Tatum who does Lawrence. Yep. Um, and Brina Palencia, like doing Holo, just transcendent job. Uh, I mean, really, um, their chemistry worked really, 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 really well, and that um, that added a level of uh, that's just added a level of of quality to the, to the production in general. I and I feel like you know having and and I didn't I didn't listen to the Japanese. Um, cast nearly as much but i feel like amy koshimizu plays holo a little younger sounding hey, is that like also because uh the japanese tend to have a slightly higher diction than voice um no I, it, it was the way that she was talking she was ending mm. like a lot of she was ending a lot of sentences in like ja you know yeah um and it, it's kind of a that's kind of like a the way it was delivered, it's kind of like a it's something you hear from, like a tomboyish young girl, like little girl, you know, um, which I think works in the context of of the Japanese voices. Um, I like that Brina Palencia chose to do kind of a little bit more elegant, refined yet childlike goddess kind of voice <laughs> you know uh, I, I usually she, describe it as haughty yeah yeah I mean it's definitely haughty there's a lot of texture to that performance though and I thought it was really great there is and it's it's another like 
borderline moe character let's i mean honestly she's her charm comes from like this comical mix of naivete uh, about the ways of the human world and then her like pure childlike greed as a god so you combine those two and it's like almost instant moe yeah holo the wise wolf is pretty awesome so this this makes me really curious you know so when when everybody is talking to each other um about how many stupid silver coins make one gold coin, and how you can turn that into a pewter coin or something. Um, it, it, in the English dub, which is what everybody watched, it does that dialogue exchange come across as more kinetic? Because I tell you what, so the subject matter I had a lot of issues with, um, and and you're right, it is a lot of dialogue, but. I'm a big fan of Monogatari, so obviously I'm not opposed to pure dialogue shows. Uh, but in, in the Japanese, it is, it's like a frickin' um, college lecture on the exchange rates. It is so dry and droll without... There, there's like, there, neither Holo or uh, Lawrence had really any inflection um, when they're just sitting there so, so you, I get the, the Japanese voices going into my brain at almost monotone, and I'm reading the subtitles. 1.3 silver trenny to 1.2 lumion gold coin is 1433. I'm just like, fucking give me a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 does the dub just handle that better? Like, that I can see, because if, if, if those exchanges had more more energy that like that would completely transform half of the show for me um and so this is just really interesting that i'm apparently the only one who watched the whole thing subbed i I don't know i don't know if it would if it would make it better for you if that's if that's a part of the of the show that you've struggled with um you know i i never found i never found that to be particularly onerous um I, I do wonder if, and I would be able to follow along with the Japanese well enough, but I, I wonder if, if it's because, you know, it doesn't just all sound like gobbledygook, <laughs> you know? But, I mean, then again, like, that, that is a... I, I, won't, I won't say that, that that's, that's going to be, like, this, this vast improvement I, because it's... I mean, you're still talking about exchange rates. You're talking about, you know freaking fx rates i mean my god yeah, the, the the script and the adr work do a, like a really good job of sticking to the original japanese at least as far as you know reading the the subs and hearing the actors speak but um it's in essence it's really close to the same subject matter but like maybe not having to read it would have been better for you because it would be less than like reading through a textbook but I didn't. I didn't even think like the all the all the babbling about exchange rates and uh, value of the coins and the history of the coins, were really that prominent because they were like here and there, but honestly they were just sort of window dressing in a way because they never really had any super importance ex- in, in, with the exception of a couple scenes. So, mm-hmm. so so take the specificity of exchange rate out. And, and that is still the show. Like, the whole first half of the second season is how do we fuck over the, the Wall Street um, stock market. Um, and, and so maybe they're not talking about exchange rates per se, but it's, it's the same 
uh, same flow. How do we how do we cheat the system and screw over all of the normal poor people who are trying to make a buck so that I can play the game to win this stupid ass bet? Hello, um, the wise wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> nice. And, and so and so, it, but it's still it's it's it, it was always delivered in that very meticulous manner and with the in the the japanese language it it did come across very droll so it did impact me more as if i was reading a terrible textbook and so that's kind of where my uh my my question is stemming from like maybe just having it be in english words where my brain doesn't have to do double duty or maybe the voice actors are more kinetic uh per se you know you can still say the same words but it's all in the delivery and Japanese, they speak extremely fast. So it, it, if it's not wild inflection, like for say Monogatari, like those voice actors are all over the frickin' map uh, with their inflections, um, it does tend to, to come across more uh, monotonous. You know, I think I know where you're coming with with this. Uh, have you guys seen Maoyu? The yeah, I watched an episode or two and then couldn't watch anymore. Okay, oh, so, high economics. Yeah, uh, so that show is very similar in uh, in content to Spice and Wolf because it goes about that kind of economics and it's very very talky and it also has the exact same leads. Really? Yeah. So when when he's talking about this, I'm trying to think back to Malu, which I've actually seen in Japanese, and uh, when they're talking, it's kind of just like they're they're talking. I mean, uh, thanks. Not very descriptive, but <laughs> <laughs> but they are they're not uh, I don't think they're giving as much inflection as the Japanese do as Chris is saying. Uh, mm. So like in in the bedroom scene when Lawrence is trying to explain all of these different coins to Holo, Holo is like Trini silver coin. It's like no, that's a loot silver coin. It's like what about this one? Is that the Trini silver coin? It's like no, that's some other silver coin. But that uh, that looks very similar to this yes. fake silver coin that was produced and now is no longer. Yeah, exactly. And there's like some uh, playful frustration in Holo's voice, and there's that kind of mentory teacher voice in Lawrence's voice. But uh, mm. if this plays out like Maoyu, where the uh, the Demon King is, says, "Well, no, here's how we're going to do things. We're going to plug out this land for this, plug out this land for this, plug out this land for this." And she doesn't really have uh, that sort of inflection in her voice that makes it seem like she is really, really interested in this, even though mm. you can tell because of the way the animation is going. God, I love the animation for that. That's an interesting pickup. Like I, that's I, I didn't realize those are the same uh, Japanese voice actors. That's that's really interesting. And what I what I loved was the last part of what Corey mentioned was the the the, the visual language of the entire series because. As much as the series relies upon the chemistry and the dialogue between the two main characters, man, does it go above and beyond to just have natural, fluid human movements in response to questionings and feelings and everything. For everything that's said in the series, you get a visual representation through the, the characters' body languages, and I thought like, that was that was amazing. As much as it would appear to be a very you know, more on the tell side of the spectrum with all the talking. I feel like Spice and Wolf really is doing a good job of showing and not telling because of that very reason. Mm. They, they do do a really good job starting about halfway through the first season. Um, I, I, I got mad at Corey. I was like, 
the animation in this is fucking god awful, Corey. What's going on here? Um, but that animation. was only for like the first four episodes. That uh, damned including... horse. Oh, <laughs> if you watch Spice and Wolf, guys, and you're wondering what we're talking about with that horse, give it like three or four episodes in, and you'll see it. And you won't unsee it. <laughs> See, that's the, I don't ever remember seeing that course until I saw the clip of it. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, what is this? <laughs> it's like a paper doll horse that just sort of dances across the screen. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, uh, but no, the, 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 the facial expressions, I think, was probably the strongest point, And it speaks to what Ink is talking about, especially with, with Holo. Uh, the facial expressions I thought was really, really strong and did a better job of conveying w- what they're trying to, to get across in their extraordinarily sexually frustrated manner. Like, it was upsetting. Like, <laughs> like, like you, you watch most anime and you're like, wow, there's some sexual tension there. But here, like, the oh, dialogue no. was actively aggressing against the uh, the body language. Um, and the fact that the, the show was able to get that across in the body language is is actually really impressive yeah yeah i mean the 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 subtleties of yeah i I love the way they animate her tail a lot of the time holo's tail like you'll you could pick up exactly how she's feeling just seeing how that tail is going like if it's all jaggy looking she's pissed off if if it's swishing about she's happy like um, dog owners will hone in on this series and just love it for that reason. Yeah, well, dog owner, yeah. So I mean, like it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it totally uh, it it totally hits me on that wavelength. Did did it piss anyone else off that she was constantly petting her tail the wrong way? What do you mean the no. wrong way? She's she's constantly petting it like against the fur, and it was driving me nuts. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Ink Holo the Wise be... Wolf gets to pet her tail however she wants. Maybe yeah, that's the way she likes it. She likes it. <laughs> she, if, if she loved getting her own fur ruffled, that would kind of fit the character because she did like the antagonistic uh, arguing back and forth so long as they made up in the end. That was her whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not necessarily Sundara, but you know, she just loved a good argument. And, uh, but yeah, so that could be a metaphor for her wrong way tail petting, which was <laughs> getting under my skin. That's interesting. I, I had I did not even notice that because I guess it's so kind of transitory that I mean after a while if they're in the cart and she's petting her tail and they're like on their way to something I'm like okay establishing a shot let's move on, but uh y- y- you know that's I, I hadn't noticed that. I almost want to go back to see if she pets her tail the wrong way before an argument, like like okay we need some like excitement here let's let's start you know bouncing off each other. Mm. But something else that got under my skin, I don't know if it went the same for you, because everyone praises the music in this series, and I thought that was the worst thing. I cannot even recall a single piece of music. I did not, it didn't stand out to me as anything worthwhile. And I should note that I skipped the opening and ending for literally every single fucking episode except the first, <laughs> the first episode of each season. Boom. Like it's, cat it's, it's, it is not emoji. Often. Good God. It, <laughs> It is not even, it is not frequent where I dislike openings and endings to the point where I feel the desire to skip them, but oh my god. You skipped Ringo Biori? Are you out of your goddamn mind? I am apparently on another planet. Seven apples on a witch's tree, Chris. 
I'm a yeah. little oof inside a girl. <laughs> with the most... You say. Ugh, with the most blasé, freaking cliched, emotional bullshit that is so slow. And it's like, oh, here we are. Chris. Chris. What? Chris. It's fucking terrible. Chris. The songs were bad. Chris. <laughs> Let's whistle around the world, buddy. <laughs> Let's whistle around the world. Dude, you know whenever that song comes in on random on my MP3 player in my car, I boost the shit out of that, turn the windows down, and hope everyone's listening, and I get stuck so in traffic. That's eight, that's inks go ninety down the interstate music. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it's the only way it makes that's him feel great. like he's not breaking the law. He's like, I'm only going three miles an hour. It's all good. This is Sunday driving. Do you know why I pulled you over, son? Well, I'm just a little wolf inside a girl. <laughs> No, but I, I like I like that ED specifically because it lends into the whole fairy tale thing. That's um, so good. And and the the whole fairy tale thing is actually bolstered by the fact that you know the the characters are built. Uh, well, at least Holo's character is built sort of like a, a, or the tale about her character is built like a Grecian myth, where it brings a lot of humanity uh, in terms of folly to the to her character. So I thought like having a fairy tale ending to each episode was kind of cool and that little that solemn piece in front of each episode which was kind of unnerving because you're like this is such a joyous series in terms of the ban- what the banter brings um, you don't expect to start that slow like uh, uh, Chris was saying and uh, you know, it's just kind of a good contrast but weird I forgot how good that song was oh man the 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 music I was referring to is like the sort of the, the scoring with the, the pi- pipe flute that just kept going throughout every single explanation. I'm like, oh my god, I like this it. going to drive me nuts. I, I like I like that music. It I guess it's the SCA nerd in me. I don't know. I like that music. Um, <laughs> it's ambient. I don't really care either way for it. Like I wouldn't want the show without it. Free and unsolicited embarrassing facts about me. Ever since I started the rewatch and heard Ringo Viore again and remembered how great it is, I sing that song to my dog. Aww. He's giving me a teenager look right now, like, do not bring me into this podcast, <laughs> old man. But I totally do. And he loves that song. He wags his tail when I sing that song to him. It's great. Negative, sir. <laughs> look, Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On mirrors the film Titanic and brings out the thematic resonance and and her voice soars through through the the antarctic but it's still a fucking garbage song you need to cut yourself a slice of sunshine pie and you need to dance with some peanut butterflies because you, you, you need some you need some happiness you need some apples you need to eat a half a dozen apples did you know you can bake apples oh <gasps> <gasps> That, that was kind of what got on my nerves too. Is just how childish she really was presented as. I'm like, okay, you're you're this you know, deity who's been alive for hundreds or thousands of years, and yeah, baking apples never occurred to you. She's a wolf, did man. Have, did they have ovens back then too? Well, yeah, I guess in some form. I mean, a she's a wolf, and b she was trapped in goddamn wheat for like. <laughs> Yeah, who knows in, how long village where she could go anywhere the wheat was so like she kind of like did this village actually never bake apples maybe maybe they didn't have apples i kind of liked how isolating the settings were because of the lack of technology that's something the 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 show gets across really well but although still, i will it's like 
apples. You would uh, assume anything could be cooked. I, I kind of I kind of liked that for an opposite reason because I felt like, okay, she's a wolf god. She's going to think about things like a wolf. A wolf doesn't think about cooking food. <laughs> you know, a wolf well, just thinks about, cheeks. is it meat? Can I eat it? And, you know, I think apples were like a discovery for her. It was like discovering fire. You know, the fact <laughs> that, like, she found these apples and she's like, these things that are not meat are actually good. I will keep eating them. Okay, but to that point, she also mentions the fact that she was used to drinking brandy up in the north. Wolves do not drink brandy. <laughs> Wolf gods do. From Whole the wise wolf drinks brandy. I don't know, man. Don't question it. Don't question it. <laughs> point taken. It does take some basic technology to know how to make brandy specifically. or maybe it's just kind of a hashtag priorities thing and um, that's the technology she knows the most about Hmm. which could anyone on this podcast fault her for that I think the answer is no Chris might Eh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a drinker so these things don't matter to me and oh my god I did not remember how much of the series was drinking a lot (laughs) a lot is drinking 80% (laughs) It's all spent in pubs or wanting to get to pubs or speaking about pubs. Being hung over from pubs. Well, you yes. see, when, when nothing's actually happening and you need to keep talking, you have to just throw in animation just to make it look like you're doing something. I think that was just an excuse. It's like why they this, smoked in old-time movies. They, exactly. There you go. I think it's very much a uh, ink core show. I mean, it's, you know, there's there's lots of lots of drinking involved, so... Yeah, it's very, very drunken otaku esque. Like that, that, there's, there's a drunken otaku article for you, man. He already wrote one. Oh, how many <laughs> years ago? I remember that. That was years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It had like these images compiled of like thirty-two of shots of Polo at a time, <laughs> like spread throughout the thing. Um, Great drinker, Holo the Wasted Wolf by Ink. <laughs> What what did you guys think about the, the sort of how they brought up the imposition of the church in that sort of time? Because one of the running themes in the show is, of course, pagan versus uh, uh, institutionalized religion, and that that could be a very direct relation between Japan and like the the onset of Christianity, uh, you know, setting up on the island and coming over and being of influence and possibly weightier influence than they wanted. Uh, and as, as pointed out in uh, something I'll link to in the show notes, um, in the manga, there's uh, or the original white novels, they have um, crosses everywhere, and these have been erased throughout the series, but they just kept the term the church, um, and that sort of implies overall organized religion. Um, how, how do you think? How do you guys think that played out throughout the series? Was it burdensome, or was it woven in uh, competently? I think it's essential, isn't it? Because uh, there's all these moments of Holo not wanting to be discovered for being a pagan god, quote unquote. Yeah, I I kind of think it's an interesting point of of tension in the series, also. Um, and it kind of I I always thought about it as sort of a uh, an, an ancient tra- like traditions, like you know, ancient versus modern uh, kind of thing. You know, with respect to Holo, because you know, we don't really know 
or if they say, I don't know the exact number of like how many, you know, decades and decades and centuries she was, you know, stuck in that wheat field. Um, but, you know, the world obviously changed a lot uh, since she was last in it. And so, um, you know, it seems like she has some awareness of the church, but um, I almost wish they had explored that a little more, just how her coming back into the world and having to interact with modern society, um, how the pagan ways are sort of on the wane, um, and, and how that would have affected her. Um, we don't really get a lot of that specifically, I don't think. I think that's largely a part of the first arc was, you know, she, obviously they had the, the villagers choosing new harvesting technology over worshipping a god mm, is, is true. a metaphor for the, the abandonment of the old ways and her lack of a place in the world. And it might even define why she's so clingy to Lawrence is because he just sort of accepts her as is. Mm-hmm. Well, at least not in her wolf form, but... Uh, <laughs> he, the, uh, he eventually it, accepts her. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they go on and travel, but, you know, she having, you know, she mentions that she she thinks she recognizes a town, but it's, you know, changed so much she can't really be sure. Um, Like, this whole world is actually frightening to her because, you know, there's so much new and so relatively quickly um, that, you know, she kind of has to have a guide through it. And I I like that, but uh, Mm. I wasn't sure if that was too heavy-handed a theme to just sort of drop as the premise of the series. I think it would have been really easy to, to screw that up and do it badly. Um, if they had sort of continued along that line, I would have liked to have seen, you know, we don't, we don't really get as, as much as we, you know, most of us anyway, love Holo on this show. And I think I, I feel like anyway, she's kind of the, the, the real, uh, the interesting part of the show she you know lawrence sort of plays off of her even when he doesn't think he's playing off of her um but i i don't think we get any any time like from holo's perspective solely you know like there's not like a whole holo focused episode where it's her doing things and her just thinking about things and reacting to people outside of lawrence I mean, there there are some uh, like hints of those scenes, but we don't actually see the interaction, right? Because she's captured that one time uh, in the first arc, but she's not actually talking to people. We just see her being angry at them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then when she's saved, she uh, obviously did something embarrassing because she thought it was going to be going to be Lawrence, but it wasn't. So there are hints of these interactions, but there's nothing actually direct of Holo talking to someone else without yeah. Lawrence. Yeah. So it's definitely not the most feminist of series because it's constantly the woman relying on the male. Uh, Scene-wise, I think so. Uh, but, like, well, for one, there's like four guys talking about how feminist Holo <laughs> is, which is... Uh, but there is... Uh, Holo is pretty body positive in the way that she presents herself. Uh you know, Lawrence at one point says, oh, no, you wouldn't want to see your face. It's covered in scars. And Hello's like, why would I be ashamed of scars? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, but he is, like, super horny about it most of the time. <laughs> this is a very thirsty show. Yeah. Very thirsty. It's a super thirsty show. So, going back on Ink's 
starting point about the church and everything. I, I think overall, I think I think that's a half baked theory, um, and the, the show definitely kind of screws it up. I don't think the show executes to that well, um, but it, it seems like perhaps in the in the light novels, it actually um, will come to to fruition. As Jared was speaking, uh, the whole first arc is literally the 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 village abandoning the, the old ways for the new ways, and that helps set Holo on this path. And the way that the series continues to, to portray the church is not so much in a, a Christianity versus pagan, but in the, the underlying animosity and evilness of the church. Uh, that mm. seems to play a much more prominent role and they don't start really biting into that until the last arc of the second season, mm. um, which has the, the church ma um, manipulating the crop, manipulating supply and demand to, to gain power and to, to crush the, uh, the, the commoners of the, of the village to help like, create some kind of crazy empire. It was it, entirely half-baked. Um, but it, it really felt like these were all disparate elements that would eventually build to something as opposed to being a, com a completed thesis within the material that we got in the anime series itself. Whereas what Corey was moving on to with, with Holo um, being independent but in group masses being dependent on craft, Lawrence... The, the body positivity and all that stuff, that, that underlying current is what really took root as the thesis of this anime series. The, the, the anime itself is all about Holo and Kraft Lawrence um, growing and to, not, not just to each other, but independently um, with each other. And so that is more um, where the, the anime series went with it. And you just, you get all these really like interesting kernels that just don't go anywhere uh, with the church and the, uh, the pagan nature of Holo's origin. I would be interested to see like if there was more anime and it actually like, okay, we're just gonna finish it. And someone said it was good. Um, I'm not gonna read the books for the life of me. I would fall asleep on page two. Um, but but that really does feel like a, a piece of the bigger scheme that we weren't able to get to really get into here. I have a feeling, like you said, they're kind of used as bookends to end like certain arcs, and then they move on. I would hope that if in the subsequent chapters uh, and you know seasons of the anime adaptation, uh, they'd sort of compound those things and bring them back to roll upon each other, and then make them a little more. Uh, uh, a little more influential in that world. Yeah. But that's just, you know, here's <laughs> But I mean, yeah, the, the church obviously is playing a very large role in manipulating and shaping the culture of this, um, you know, cause from what all I could tell, it takes place in basically England um, in the Middle Ages. So, um, like, they, that is a very prominent part of that culture, and, it's re and it did a really good job of ominously showing this is what the church is and what it means by people's reactions. Um, hmm. 
What, was this supposed? Was this show supposed to be taking place in Japan? Because I sure as fuck didn't get that. Oh no, no, no. no okay. No, <laughs> no, like, like you can see just in the names and in the way that they they focus on mercantilism and things like that. Um, it has a lot uh, from the late Italian Middle Ages and maybe early Renaissance. Uh, that kind of that kind of vibe. Some of the towns. Um, it seems like in the south, towns are named kind of Italian-sounding things, and then when you go further north, they're named sort of German-sounding things. Um, but you know, like the way that the, like the the costume design and all that stuff is like it's very, very Middle Ages um, kind of focused, and and you know the costume designs are a little bit more you know towards the later Middle Ages Renaissance end of things, but. Uh, you know, you don't see any gunpowder. You don't see any like telescopes or anything that like screams, you know, Renaissance or anything like that. But, uh, hmm. but yeah, definitely not in Japan. Absolutely not. Okay, it was just when Ink was like, "Huh," I was like, "Wait, am I am I on the weeds? Am I on the weeds?" No, no, no. I was in the weeds. It was just a, it was just a thought, like, because you can't deny that this was written, you know, from someone in Japan. So they do have that experience with the intrusion of Christianity, and it was not a, a good one at first. They're sort of like, you know, okay with it now and coexist with it, but at first it was this intrusive thing. And uh, I was wondering maybe if that was a starting point of thought. And I was like, okay, well, we'll put it in Europe, and, you know, it fits perfectly there, obviously, because the same thing happened. I think the author of this is yeah. a big Europhile. Like, He'd have to be. You think? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's kind of. It's kind of subtle, you know. You have to really look for it. But I think. I think the author, you know, kind of. Kind of likes medieval Europe a bit. I'd wager drinking too. Yeah, probably drinking. Economics. Also wolves, and economics. And fifteen-year-old wolf girls. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings about probably my biggest issue with the series, but it's not an issue of the series itself, but with the author. As Jared was mentioning, the whole gross obsession with mercantilism, like probably, you know, far worse than the generic terrible murder everybody capitalism that we have in America now, mercantilism is even worse. And so it, the show really seems to fetishize this, um, this economic ideal. And so if anyone here has read the light novels, is this really like the author just really wants, is the author really just voting for Gary Johnson every election or <laughs> is there a purpose? Is there a purpose behind what he is trying to get at by this fetishization of mercantilism? Because the, the anime presents itself as gross worship, which I actually, I had a lot of personal issues with. Um, but I'm, I'm just curious, like, is there a further driving point to this or is, or is it just, these are things that I like as the author. So I'm filling my book with these things that I like as Jared was just speaking to. I, I kind of feel like, I mean, obviously there, there's a lot of lavish detail focused on, um, medieval economics and, and manipulating exchange rates to your advantage and using the, you know, using different coinage, you know, to, to gain, um, you know, buying leverage and things like that. Um, I, but I feel like one of the, the underlying 
pieces of, of this show, and, and I think it's much more clear in the second season, is that a lot of that is set up and built up to cause Lawrence to have a bit of an internal conflict. Because this guy, you know, I think the, I think the anime, you know, treats him maybe, and I haven't read the light novels, but I, I feel like the anime treats, treats his character with a bit of kid gloves in a way. Um, because he's in a lot of ways, he's kind of just a conniving merchant, you know, but, um, the, um, the anime, like, you know, makes him a bit more humane too. Um, but, uh, I, I feel like the, the second season really, the point of that is to make Lawrence confront, you know, what's more important to me making a buck or the the woman that i very obviously am in love with and care about you know so um i i don't know if it's if it's fetishization as much as it's just it's trying to be relatively realistic with respect to the fact that you know in a very mercantile society in a very mercantile kind of world um that you know, people are going to be, you know, trying to trying to do deals and get the get the better of each other. Um, now that said, yeah, it, it, mercantilism as a system itself, historically, yeah, ugh, pretty pretty bad. Um, but I, I don't know that the that the author was necessarily in love with it. I just think it was a vehicle to 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 world build around and then you know set up internal conflicts for uh, for Lawrence at the very least. Okay, because 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 that was what what you know what I was really struggling with. Like, hey, I just completely lied and cheated and screwed over this other human being so that I could make a couple extra dollars, and it it seemed like it was congratulatory, and it was oh man, I didn't know that if I you know moved my penis to the left slightly, I could increase the stock market price by point two. <laughs> I should do that so I can fuck over more people. Like it seemed like it was very congratulatory and you know, encouraging, look, there's a fuck, there, here's the system, you need, to, you need to know all the ins and outs so that you can lie, cheat, and steal better than the next person because that'll make you come out on top. And, and that congratulatoryism really conflicted with um, the main purpose of, of craft and Holo learning that their relationship with each other does have um, more importance uh, but th so that was something that I was constantly kind of struggling with, and I didn't feel really the scales were tipped more in the positive aspect towards their relationship as opposed to uh, the previous. Um, mm. So, so that that is that is that is interesting because it, it, it every opportunity presented something for craft to grow, but it was man, I guess I should have talked to the merchant, talked to the bum in the street, he would have given me the better tip. Wink, wink. You know, like fuck off. Uh. <laughs> I, I I don't think that's necessarily detracting from anything because if you take Lor if you take Holo out of the equation in almost every scene where Craft uh, is doing business, um, he's literally just the stone cold you know merchant. He's he's gotta make his buck to get to the next place to do his thing. So he's not you know shivering in his cart in the middle yes, of the field. Yes, but Holo gives uh, him the edge. Dying. By introducing Holo, oh, yeah. now he's able to become craftier. 
and become shiftier, you know, instead of just let me sell oh, yeah. my wares and try to get by on the honest buck. Holo introduces this more malicious aspect of the mercantile system. It's a malicious act of that, but it, it's it plays more to their the the bouncing back and forth between those two. It's it's they have such a playful personality, even though that playfulness is, you know, horrible to the people they're dealing with, uh, and the other people it affects. Like ultimately, that's what the series is about. It's just the the bounce back and forth between them. So as long as they're getting their you know charismatic arguments on, that's kind of all that matters to the series. So in, in effect, you are right that the uh, it it is a a horribly overlooked thing that you know this is not fetishized, but uh, the effects of their dealings really aren't taken into account. Uh, but I, I don't I don't think I mean because that's just kind of what happens anyway. So I don't I don't know if you can say it's fetishization, but it's definitely an overlooked aspect of the series in most most points. Now you can see why I didn't like it because this was a the big part and like you were saying the the chemistry with the discussions between the two is what helps bring it out of like miring in that muck but yet in japanese it was very monotonous for me and just reading it it was dry and very dull so my brain was stewing on all of these uh quote-unquote less important aspects of the series mm. although i think in a lot of those times like they're they're i mean the one time where they screw over the shop merchant selling clothing uh, is supposedly, you know, he'll come back to him at, at another point during his journeys and, you know, buy from him again, so that sets it up as okay. No, it's not okay. Um, the, on the, the only time I can really think of Kraft's uh, bargainings really screwing someone over is with the effect of the church, because he tries to screw them over with the, uh, the armor purchase, and the, noticing that their tables were crooked to begin with, uh, and in the end, uh, and, it, and with the pyrite, uh, which is the most distasteful thing, because everyone in the small town has their hopes and dreams yeah. set on this these pyrite sales, and he crashes the yeah, entire that, so, town. So that arc, that, uh, that, that's the first arc, like the first five or six episodes of season two, when it was focusing on their relationship and how Kraft was not being um, open towards Holo you know, we knew that he appreciated her, but the way that he addressed himself to her brought about the air that he takes her for granted, doesn't really give a shit about her. All of that was really interesting. And yeah, and then when it got to the Wall Street down and dirty, dicking everybody over, that's when mm. the show, it lost me the entire rest of the way. Well, and something I want to point out, too, is that, that there's, a whole, there's a whole plot arc about how, you know, he screws up and it goes back to that, that uh, the armor because... All we hear mm. about the the entire friggin' like both seasons, even after it, it it's no longer like a central central plot point, is that the the, the expedition to the north <laughs> has been canceled. So there's, and I like the fact that they use that yeah, throughout the like, throughout the season. But um, but that ends up hosing him over badly, and um, he overplays his hand, and and so. There's dicking over, uh, you know, and, and like there's this whole kind of the, the world of this show has this idea of, you know, for a merchant and as a merchant, the best thing you can do is, is come out ahead in a deal. Um, that, that's definitely there. And it's not just that's not just Lawrence. That's every merchant you, you deal with. And there's some that are dirtier than him, like Chloe, for example. But, um, you know, the 
it, it doesn't shy away from, you know, when he gets too greedy and screws up, you know, it, it, he has to own that. And the, uh, but he doesn't, he, he, he owns it in that he goes around and begs people for money to pay off the debt immediately and comes up with an even shadier plan that endangers a completely innocent life, the shepherd girl to try to come out even bigger on top. It's just stupid shit on top of stupid shit that it works out for him in the end, but there's no, there's no actual lessons learned or retribution or, or course changing to say, how do I not fuck up this bad again in the future? It's just, it's like a gambling addiction. I lost $300 at the slots. If I go put down a $5 bet at the card table, I could get that 300 back faster then he loses a thousand at the card table. Well, if I go to the roulette table with five bucks, I can get that thousand bucks faster, but he loses his shirt at the roulette table. It's that very gambling addicted um, nature of how his character continues to progress when he makes that initial screw up. Um, That initial screw up is the thread throughout, but it's not the inciting incident for change. It's the causation of everything else just getting progressively worse for him personally granted his his redemption was is holo at the end which is really nice but it's like bro you're just going to turn around and put put down 10 grand of borrowed money at the blackjack table that's kind of his life though i mean until he gets his own shop and can afford to start you know stop that sort of lifestyle and to if you want to read into it, him wanting to settle down and go to that shop is him wanting to end that lifestyle and just, you know, become that, you know, steady merchant. Uh, and as they point out in, I think, the second arc, like, uh, when when the traveling merchant, Kraft, comes to meet his friend in that small town, um, you know, that his friend actually makes a point. He's like, hey, listen, I can't do this, you know, this this uh, betray your, your fellow co-workers and merchants bullshit anymore because... I got a place. People know me here. I have to exist day to day here, and it places that importance on uh, you know situation. And the series, with regards to craft, you know, not really getting his comp- com- com- comeuppance from his dealings. I I, I disagree with that on, on some small terms because it paints it all over his face. Uh, he he continuously says he's like a child and you know can't really hide uh, his his emotions. You know he can he can hide his dealings, but he can't hide his emotions, and uh, it, they just the remorse is painted all over his face when, like you said, he goes begging from house to house, and he's just getting madder, and just more and more insane, as as much from the loss of wealth as well as what that means, and what that means is really the mm-hmm. loss of Holo, because you know Holo adds heart to his journey, where he has no real heart because he is just pure economics before yeah. he meets her. I mean, Kraft Lawrence is not a hero. Okay. Yeah. He's he's no, not. No. Like there's there's nothing Holo's not a hero. Like there's you know, these these are not these are not characters that beyond their relationship and how they they go to crazy ass lengths to stay together and, and to protect each other. Um, and then they screw up and then they have to go to even crazier lengths. I, I, I beyond that, I mean, they're not like this is a wolf god who really doesn't really care that much about other people's pain or misfortune very much and then you've got a merchant who you know he's he's a hustler he's gonna make his money and and like i kind of i kind of like that they're not like you know always 
having i mean i get where you're coming from chris totally like but i kind of like that they're not mm. you know trying to find moral lessons at the end of every episode you know like um sometimes it's just about survival and doing what you can to get to the goal that you want to get to for hollow it's getting home to yoitz and for lawrence it's uh at first at least it's having enough money to to open up your own shop and then that changes over the course of the series obviously you know, like I don't think that I don't think that the that the show I think the show is very honest about who these characters are. I don't think it's trying to sell them as anything other than than what they appear and, to and, be. And it might just be you know because this was the first time I had watched the show, being a product of the times. Like this is not the show that you really want to be watching in America 2017, because um, all 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 it does like it, as I'm watching them like this is perpetuating this bullshit that is eating away. This is the rot. This is the fucking core that is destroying everything. And here is this um, light novel author creating this series that is fetishizing this bullshit. Um, Before the stock market crash in 2007, which was when this series started, Mm -hmm. your mind isn't really already preoccupied with all of these thoughts and and animosity like i just feel like the bile rising when i start thinking about these elements and it could just be you know i should have watched the show in 2006 not 2017 well no you know what though like i think that that raises an interesting point in that you know how we engage art does depend on the the you know the terrain of our life and the terrain of society when we engage that art and when we find that art and um you know this is an interesting example of that i think i certainly think that that has something to do with it (laughs) see dear listeners you thought it was just going to be about furry fetishes and drinking and we weren't going to talk economics on the show about economics Corey, what are you weighing on this are you Mm, still with us yep definitely here Corey doesn't like me talking No, uh, I think your your complaint with the economics is coming down to something that is uh, uh, much more of a problem at like a base baser level because this series is trying to be so uh, or at least somewhat accurate to the time period that it's trying to portray. Um, that's a consequence of that rather than. Uh, he's trying to specifically comment on anything in particular. But, uh, this is probably, you know, product of it. the time that you're watching it. But I absolutely agree. Like, there's a lot of things about the show that it does really well. There are some things with the mechanics of the show itself that I thought it did poorly. But yeah, no, I wholeheartedly will own up. Like, no, the the pro- my problem with this show is totally me. <laughs> Um, and, and feeding into what this show presents. And that is, you know, that's a very important part about art and how we interact with art, like Jared was saying. Um, you know, objectively, yeah, I still got some, some silly issues with the animation and the plot structure. But, yeah, most of my problems, they're definitely coming from within. I, I will own that wholeheartedly. I mean, going back, going back a little... Uh another product of like the time that it is in um because holo is in deck to lawrence holo is technically a, the property of lawrence because of the way their laws work and because of the 
the, how old it is, and Lawrence even calls slavery a profitable and necessary trade. So this is a completely different time period. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, again, like by our modern kind of views on things, which I do think are better, um, obviously. Uh, yeah, he's he's kind of a, a barbarian and a and a money grubbing you know, piece of crap. But um, I think what saves him from doing that in the context of the narrative of the show is that you know he's he is more than just his his desire to make money like he he does go out of his way to help people in sort of a one-on-one personal kind of way um he does show restraint when he could you know exact vengeance on people at, at points um and you know him having holo in his life i i think gradually over the course of the two seasons we see humanizes him more and more as as the show continues even with like the amari plotline with the pirate um he uh yeah never mind i forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> you can do it Corey. i can't i believe in you <laughs> I was, I was going to say something, probably something in the same line as what maybe you were thinking, <laughs> was uh, the, the series, uh, the anime series end uh, bookmarks that pretty well, because as Jared was saying, like, it's trading money for, you know, people basically, and very literally, uh, in the first, first arc of the second season, you know, he's trying to get enough money to earn Holo back from this guy who's going to marry her, uh, or, you know that's the threat um and in the very end of the second season there you know holo offers herself up to be you know money for the church so that you know lawrence can go buy his store and obviously she's going to escape or whatever but uh he he refuses to even conceive of her at that point at the end of the series he's refusing to conceive of her as money as barter and I think that speaks to his character's yes. growth. He he grows, and it, so so the the slave trade, it's showing, it's showing the consequences of that, and you know, kind of like with all Republicans, they don't care until it happens to them, and so and exactly, and so so Lawrence is showing that, and, and he, he's growing that, um, but in this small span of this very limited 26 episode series that care and consideration is not extended elsewhere which is which comes back to does the author fetishize this mercantile system does he think a 100 percent pure free market is that great um because because he does show that um elements of that society that he is depicting are wrong and takes steps to try to to codify that involvement and and change his characters in in, the, in these subtle or you know bigger ways, but the mercantile aspect is one hundred percent glorified through the context of the twenty six episodes. I don't know that that twenty sixth episode ends with an entire city on fire based on the crooked business dealings of the church in the town. I can't <laughs> comment because the twenty sixth episode ended in the middle of the fucking story. And didn't con- <laughs> I think I think this is a good time to transition into the what the two Twitter questions we have because one of them is very very germane to this exact point. Mm. Um, Helen, our dear friend 
and, and a Twitter alumnus uh, at Wandering Dreamer on Twitter. Given that there are many more unadapted novels, and there are, in the series, would you prefer more seasons of the show, or do you feel like the ending was fine as it was? Uh, and, and in parentheses, it says, like, the place it ended in was fine as is. Hmm. Ink, what do you think? I'm going to pass it off to our That's guest. the very polite thing to do. So, what? <laughs> How do you feel about the ending? All right. So... Since me and Corey run a sports anime podcast, I think the best way to answer this would be to wrap it into a sports show that we've talked about many times, Yoamushi Pedals. The end of the first season, which was 39 episodes, the final episode ended 200 meters before the finish line of the second day of the inter-high. There was already another season announced, so we just had to wait six or seven months to continue it. If that final episode of the first season where it's 200 meters to the finish line was the end of the fucking show forever that is literally spice and wolf Um, because they they walk out of the church saying okay they're going to come murder us we need to figure out how to get out of the town we need to get our stuff we need to do this let's hold hands and the show just fucking ends they're 200 meters until the finish line if they got completed getting out of the town which would seal off that arc i think it would have been a really good place to end it because it does complete the the emotional thesis of the series um in regards to holo and craft's um relationship that that was obviously what the the anime was driving towards and it completed that very successfully even though it completed that successfully, you still don't say, okay, now we have to get out of town before they murder us and never, ever do anything. See, I, uh, I disagree with that because the, that Yoa Pega ending for the first season is still bullshit, despite the fact that <laughs> it continued into the second season because they should have just ended it in the first season. But, like, with the Spice and Wolf ending, uh... I I use a parallel in my head more to the angel ending, which there is probably not as much frustration in uh, the Spicing Wolf ending with careers as there was with the angel ending in Joss Whedon. But there is like this promise uh, between Lawrence and Holo that they will continue traveling at the end of the series, and I think that's what the through line of the series is, that these, these two are going to continue their journey until they get to Yoix. I'd have to agree with Corey. That's... Uh... It's 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 also due to the framing, um, because you know it's it's not so much as two hundred meters from the finish line as the fact that they're finishing their emotional right. journey, because the the entire you know, give and take of the entire banter and charisma of both of the characters have just been you know so thirsty and finally it's quenched. They're holding hands. They're going to go. They're going to escape this town. You know they can. They've got wit. They've got power. They're going to escape, and they frame it, you know, them holding hands in front of a sunset, in front of these floating ships, which are their, their, basically their only way out of the town. And I thought that was a good enough visual ending to go on, although I will say, the first time I watched this through, I was, a, I was severely disappointed in that ending. So I was exactly in Tony's place. Er, you Chris's son of place. a bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah! <laughs> wow. So sorry. Oh my god. We're fucking done, Inc. We are done. <laughs> Wow. Wow. The honeymoon is was, over, was... sir. 
I, I was in Chris's place initially, but upon the rewatch, I actually was like, oh, this actually is a very solid ending, and I'm very happy with where it you know, ended off, despite having so many other uh, unadapted uh, volumes of the light novel. And I really want to read, I, I do really want to read where they go from here, but I also don't have to, because this was a solid enough ending for so, me. So I'm going to reiterate that this was the first time I saw the second season, and I got to the end of episode 26, and I was like, oh no, fuck right off with that bullshit. <laughs> I, want, I want at least three more seasons of Spice and Wolf. I, I, like, I mean, I, I immediately, as soon as the, it ended, I like, went to like, read up on what actually happens. I want to see like, all the rest of it, um, but it probably isn't going to happen. Uh, that having been said... I feel like Chris. I, I agree with Chris completely here. Like, like I, I saw that ending and I went, uh, "This is a shitty way to end a show." Like, that's not coming back. Like, um, a show that we all, all love. Um, it and it remind it reminded me of this because that still like hurts me the most to this day. But um, season two of Chihaya Furu ends kind of in a similar way, with, <sighs> with. The, the OTP from that basically looking up at the like kind of the next stage of their of their story and I slid that in there yeah um, but it's very much the kind of the same thing with with Holo and Lawrence you know you see these boats and you're like okay they're gonna get away and then what because like not three and a half minutes before that um, they're they're stubbornness starts to break down on both sides and they start to actually admit how they feel about each other and it's like okay let's see let's see how this develops let's see these two people like continue to be stubborn and like fail to like say what they really mean and like because that's part of the great thing of the show for me so um no i don't feel like it ended um in an appropriate place i would like to see more spice and wolf um I think that the main story of Spice and Wolf has ended now. Um, yep. Yeah, the whole light novel. And then there's, there's, there's now a spinoff called Wolf and Parchment. Um, but um, I won't say any more about that because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But, um, yeah, so um, there needs to be more. Thank you for the question, Helen. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will say I don't know if I could take more. And I'm not sure if my reasoning is justified here or whether this is something specifically implemented uh, for the final episode there. But um, the, the entire series has a lot of callbacks with regards to the, the character's banter. And it's, uh, you know, Polo being the wise wolf and ch uh, uh, Lawrence being the child and the various traits battered back and forth. Um, in the last episode, there's a... a some real emotional tension and a real breakdown between the two characters, but there's also this forced re-engagement that they uh, engage in to sort of regain the levity after they have, you know, come to terms with each other past that past that breakage point, and they go through the motions of their usual exchange, and it's it, it's a really forced sense of dialogue, um, but. It, the, the, re the repetition of it all I was just like oh man this is like going over the same old ground like for the 30th time and it's really starting to, to wear like it's not as cute as it was 
but I don't know whether that's just because of the context of the scene or what that scene's supposed to mean to their the evolution of their uh, relationship or mm. something else. But I don't know if I could take any more seasons if the, the writing continued to be in the same cyclical manner. It was very repetitive. If there's any more seasons, I would like it to complete all of the light novels rather than just be like, here's a couple more light novels. Uh, amen to that. Amen to yeah. that. Here's one more. Maybe that would address some of the pacing issues Chris had with it, too. Um, Maybe. Our other Twitter question uh, that we got comes from uh, Patrick that's at Trick the TM. Uh, so, best educational anime. I think that's a hard yes. Was it really educational, though? I think it teaches about economics. Uh, does, it, uh, so how many educational, like, economics-type anime do we have to choose from? We've got this, we've we, got we got, we got Cells at Work coming up soon, I think. We You've got, got arguably Long Horizon. Horizon. Oh, Long is <laughs> pretty yeah. good. Log Horizon is is quite good, but it's almost educational in a different way. Yeah, that one's a lot it's of al- politics and stuff. It's like sociology and politics. It's not as much economics. Like the only direct competitor to this, I think, is Maui, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, C also exists, but that's that quickly became not economic at all. Yeah. What was that? Thermo Thermoroma. Thermorome. That that's educational. Yeah. Thermorome. That that's educational in a different sense. I don't know. Well, I, mean, I learned. I think I learned most of my life lessons from um, from Kaiji. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so every every arc of that. I mean, it, explained, of it explained everything so clearly that I can play these games in my own life now. And so it has taught me the true path of the ninja. <laughs> nice. Asahi is the true path of the ninja. Hard to argue with that. Crappy Japanese beer. Um, do we have any other kind of kind of closing thoughts on Spice and Wolf? I think it survived remarkably well over the years. I think a second watch loses nothing. And actually it made me appreciate a little more of it. Uh, yeah, as I was saying, I watched this like four or five times now. Uh, I like it just as much every time. I might... It was so great to get reacquainted with the show. Uh, it was so great to finish, air quotes, finish it off. Um, and you get that giant yen book. <laughs> yeah, now, now I, I, that's kind of my next step. That is like the worst design ever. <laughs> like it's literally Bible paper with it done in miniature newspaper column type. Like who thought that was a good idea? Yen press. <laughs> Well, a lot of Japanese like, oh fan God. books are kind of like that, though, layout-wise. They, this isn't a fan they, book, they, though. This they is cram it in. light novels. Oh. Oh, okay. This is literally all 18 yeah. or 19 light novels in one giant-ass Bible. Yeah, I thought there was only oh, like my God. Oh, my God. Which I like the idea of more than the execution, but... <laughs> go, go buy the light novels digitally and, you know. Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, guys... Um, I think we're coming to the, to the end of our journey here together, finally. Uh, Chris, where can people find you on Twitter and the internet and beyond? I am on Twitter at a locked account called at GoKufi. Or you can just yell at me through the Taiku podcast Twitter and I can yell at you back through there. And Corey, how about you, man? 
uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm impassionate K. I'm also locked because I'm goblin. Uh, but maybe if you're listening to this like three years from now, I won't be goblins anymore. Or if you're listening to this right now, uh, or in the next couple of weeks, and you want to hire him, <laughs> <laughs> definitely let us know, and we'll let him know. <laughs> uh, we're also Chris and I are also on the podcast Kaiku Podcast T A I I K U. What's uh, what's the next episode you guys got coming up? Slam Dunk, or else. It better be Slam Dunk. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Awesome. <laughs> nice. You gonna have Kate on for that one? Uh, nope. We have uh, Don and Casey and Tom uh, at Calagi. Uh, whoever finishes it will be on, and whoever doesn't will be left in fucking dust. And we also we, we got so many other things in the works that may stem away from the sports anime and be sports live action. That'd be fun. I hope uh, we do that. Uh, what? Uh, that almost sounds kind of like a a playful pseudo announcement. Do we have breaking news on on a old talking new radio? Do we? Do, nope. do we? No. <laughs> okay. We are the warriors. What? <laughs> Uh, we will be having a special anniversary episode coming up, Chris, Corey, and me. Cool. Cool. Um, oh, and I believe uh, Wolf Blixer would be Sean Spicer in a fight, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> you, I was, I'm, I'm actually surprised that it took you that long to slide it in. <laughs> that's, that's kind of amazing. Wolf Blitzer does sound like a great anime name, though. He sounds like he should be piloting some really big, clunky, slow mecha with lots of guns mm-hmm. from some fake Germany. Yeah, Wolf Blitzer some is fake a pretty good Germany. Wolf Blitzer should be really inserted is. into Inferno Cop somewhere. <sighs> yeah, I mean, they've got, they've got, like, Donald Trump with bread on his head. Like, surely they can make it all happen now. Osamaksu had Obama, so it's pretty good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, God, before we get like, completely off topic, um, which I'm sure we will in a minute, but, um, only after we stop recording, uh, Inc, where, where, uh, can people find you, buddy? Uh, animated Inc on the Tweety box. You can probably find me on this, uh, podcast called Otaku No Radio that you're listening to. Uh, who are those guys? I don't know. Some, some rambling idiots. Uh, <laughs> You can find me in the pages of Otaku USA Magazine. Go to otakusamagazine.com and you can get anime reviews and uh, J-pop culture stuff sent to your uh, mailbox where you can actually flip through with your actual fingers and read with your eyes without staring into a lit screen. Uh, You can find me on Fandom Post where I have a 10 years later article coming up on Happy Machine by Misaki Wasa. Uh, And... On Taiku Podcast, which just had an episode about Minami High School Cycling Girls Club. Minami Kamakura High School Cycling Club. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and Rolling Girls, more importantly. Wait, High School uh, Girls Cycling... Uh, I don't know the name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where else? Uh, I think that's it. Anandagamers.com, where we do reviews of anime, manga, and video games. How about you, Jared? Uh, well, right now I, uh, can be found, of course, on, uh, the airwaves of Old Taku No Radio at Old, old blah, blah, at Old Taku No Radio on Twitter. Um, you can also, <laughs> with a lot of K's and a lot of however you spell throat clearing sounds. Um, but, uh, you can also find me, uh, at Save versus Jared on Twitter. Um, I also 
occasionally do some writing for Anagamers and Wave Motion Cannon. I'm taking a bit of a break right now because uh, I'm actually working in a local municipal election that's taking up all of my free time. Uh, so I will be back doing uh, fun uh, anime blogging and talking about anime more uh, probably later this year. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. On behalf of Old Takuno Radio, I'd like to thank uh, Taiku Podcast for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yep, I'm sorry I ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> you added depth, my friend. You added depth. We you, always you have added, to have that other side of that conversation. You added the Chris. Like, like we... Every podcast with the Chris is automatically better. This is why I'm brought in. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to listen to the other Anagamers podcast, the original Anagamers podcast with uh, hosts David Estrella and Evan Minto. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Leave uh, five-star reviews and much notes and comments and stuff on the show's page. And yeah, That, yeah, that show's you. page is... Uh, T-A-I-I-K-U podcast. It's tricky to spell it. You can't even Google it right. Oh, this is also the part where we need to mention to uh, please leave us uh, reviews on iTunes or Google Play or um, the five of you that use Stitcher. Uh, do that. Um, we would really appreciate it. It's great. Five-star reviews are great. One-star reviews are great. Reviews are great. Uh, so uh, yeah saying hi is great yeah saying hi is great so uh, thank you guys so much and uh, we'll see you next time